the transformation of our society starts with the individual. We all need to do our inner work, right? Both overcoming our limiting beliefs and also understanding what privilege we have and how we can use it. It starts with the inner work of the individual, but it has a collective effect. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Valeria Alloway, an Argentinian by birth, mother, lifelong learner, coach, consultant, and professional speaker. We'll learn what brought Valeria to the US and what drove her passion to understand why Latinas are underrepresented in leadership positions and compensation. We'll follow Valeria's painful journey of self-discovery that opened her eyes and mind to understanding and overcoming her limiting beliefs and how that drove her to help others through their struggles as Latinas. This letter to publishing her new book, Uncolonized Latinas, which provides a roadmap for so many that have not yet openly faced their struggles. Check out the show. Welcome to the third season of the Creator Community. This is a podcast series from book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Nothing worth it ever is. But with solid structure, coaching, and community, it's very much attainable. Today, I have with me Valeria Alloway. Valeria is an expert in Hispanic success mindset. She is the founder of Abundancia Consciente a bilingual training, speaking, coaching, and consulting platform that helps Latinx professionals and business owners in the U.S. and Latin America overcome their inner barriers for personal and professional growth. Before launching her company, she worked for 20-plus years in business development, marketing, and finance in leading companies across seven countries, including Procter & Gamble, Citibank, Reckitt Benkiser, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and TIAA. <clears throat> Alawaya holds a Master of Business Administration from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth, Degrees in Business Administration of Finance from Universidad Católica, Argentina, a Master of Spiritual Sciences, and is currently pursuing a doctorate in Spiritual Sciences, and now an author of her new book, Uncolonized Latinas. Valeria's book, Uncolonized Latinas, has a mid-December 2021 publishing date and will be available wherever you buy books online. Valeria, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me, John. What a pleasure. So before we get before we get into the book, let's learn a bit more about your journey. You know, how did you go from financial service executive working all over the world to a book author? So my my author journey, first of all, I never imagined I was going to be an author and in my second language because Spanish is my first language. And even though I've been living in the US for 20 years now, English is still my second language. So there was a level of intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> with writing a book in, in my second language. But, you know, my journey with books, I have to say, starts since I was a little child. I, as, as you said, I was born in Argentina, lived in a small rural town, and I can still remember when I used to ride my bike going to the library to get books. I loved books. Books were my life. And because I embraced books from a very young age, from the support of, with the support of my parents, I also became the first one to go to college, right? So books have been around me forever. 
and I have this innate passion for learning and for books. But I never, ever thought that I was going to become an author. However, I have to say that roughly a year ago, I set the intention to write a book in 2021. And I had no idea how that was going to happen. <laughs> so here and around January 2021, I started to write. So work in January was a little slow. So I took the time to write. And I, I think I wrote like 5,000 words in three days. And because I believe in the power of intention, right? And you can see how when your intention becomes action, the universe aligns to support you. That same day that I achieved 5,000 words, I saw a link in Facebook about this program led by Eric Custer. Uh, and I jumped in. I applied. I spoke to Eric the day after. And I started to write in February. So in 11 months, I produced an entire book. It's like a dream come true and something that really became real for me because of the community. There is no way I could have written the book outside of this amazing community and the support. So books were always a passion. Reading, I could totally see you riding your little bike to the library, right? To pick up the books and maybe strap them to something on the back to bring them all home, right? This kind of thing. And you started to write a book this past year. You took the intent. And so you started writing before you even found the program. And then, as you said, the universe spoke to you and you found this thing on LinkedIn. That is that is incredible. When you think about your your journey as, as a whole, where do you think this innate passion for learning came from? It, I mean, when you think about your educational path, you know, you're still going, right? Getting your doctorate. Where does this energy, this passion for learning come from, you think? My parents, definitely. My older brother, uh, my younger brother as well. But I, I have to say that my father, because... Um, my father started to work at 11 because he was the, the main breadwinner at home. His parents, my, my grandparents got divorced and he couldn't go to high school, but he has been a continuous learner. Like I could see him with books all the time. Right. And mostly learning about taxes and accounting topics. That was, he, that was his job. And he was always taking classes and learning. So I believe that's where it's coming from, you know, from my father. And I learned, I, I was, you know, raised in that environment and I embraced that as my own passion. That's incredible. And what was it about the U.S.? Why did you want to come to the U.S. to, to start your education? I, mean, I was very that's, hesitant. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, you know, leaving my country was not an easy decision. I have been married with my husband for one year. And we started to have conversations about doing an MBA together. And I was very hesitant because I was afraid of going into, I, I learned, I, I knew some English, but I was very, you know, I was afraid of going to another country that was so far away from home, far away from family. And, but I took the risk. Back in 2001, Argentina had a huge economic crisis. So that was a little bit of an invitation to try something new. And we decided to come to the U.S. Both of us got our MBAs. And I remember I told my husband, I'm going to be there for three to five years. And then we come back to Argentina. <laughs> and that never happened. I have to say that seven years after moving to the U.S. is when I started to feel home. The first seven years were you know, very stressful in a way, a lot of adjustments. And one day I decided I want to live in the present. I want to live in the now. I want to do my, to make the best of myself being here in this amazing country. And that's when I, 
I embraced the U.S. as a home, even before I had the citizenship or anything. Um, so that that's how that happened. It's been 20 years. I cannot even believe it. It's been a long time already. That's incredible. So there were, you were thinking about it. There was a, a bit of a spark that ignited you, the recession in Argentina. You were thinking about leaving. It gave you sort of a prompt to do so. And then after seven years, I, I really like this thought you shared, which is I wanted to live in the now. Because as someone myself who's moved a bunch of times, I've often thought about that. You know, when, when am I actually going to live somewhere? <laughs> you yes. sort of be a, a member of that community. And I feel like that's finally happening in the D.C. area, which is great. But thank you for sharing that story. So Uncolonized Latinas, Valeria, what, what is this book about? The book is about, essentially, I have a strong belief. And I really believe that Latinas are the best kept secret in the history of the United States. And I say that because we have not fully realized our power. So the reason why I wrote the book is because I wanted to make my contribution to closing the gap. There are two huge gaps. Research shows this. There is a leadership gap and a wealth gap. The leadership gap shows that even though Latinos are 60 million in the US, almost 20% of the population, trending to become 30% of the population in 2060, Latinas occupy less than 5% of leadership positions. It's a huge gap. So Latinas are everywhere. We are a huge number in a, a huge percentage of, of the population, but we are not in leadership positions. The second gap, the wealth gap, McKinsey did research, has done research for a few years now that show that Latinas make roughly half of what a non-Latino white man makes for the same experience and qualifications, half. So it takes a Latina two years to make the same money that a man makes in one year, right? And the book takes a different approach because you could argue, yes, there are systemic issues, uh, lack of equality, lack of access. Yes, that's real. It's changing, but it's still a reality in the system. But the book has a different approach. And the book is about what can I do as a Latina by taking full personal responsibility? What changes can I make? Where can I affect my life? Not by waiting for the system to change, but by taking full responsibility, right? So the book lays out essentially the personal and cultural limiting beliefs that hold us back as Latinas the most, particularly immigrant Latinas and daughters of immigrants. And a few examples are scarcity, believing that there is not enough for all, so Latinos compete with each other. Scarcity also in the sense of, I feel that I'm not good enough, right? So the imposter syndrome as well. Colorism that is real in the, real in the Latino community is the preference of white-skinned Latinos compared to Afro-Latinos. There is a reality of colorism in the, in the Latino community. And one more that is very important and prevalent is silence, that we have this belief in the Latino community that if we speak up, we're going to create trouble for ourselves. So the Latino community is quite a silent community. So the book lays out all of these limiting narratives so that we can be more aware of them and overcome them towards closing those gaps. But there is another why that I have, to, I have to share that is my legacy. I have a daughter, she's 14, her name is Valentina, and I want her to have this book as a tool for her to really understand that she's equal, that what she has to contribute makes a difference, that her voice matters, 
right? And for her to know that success is a choice and she can do it. And one more thing that I wanted to share with you is I have this story from Carolina that is a leader in Wall Street. And she put it beautifully. I interviewed her for my book and she said, success is an inside job. It took her to really connect with who she is inside and to do the inner transformation before she saw the results outside. Success is an inside job. I love that. What a great concept. And I really uh, like this mindset around helping people overcome these limiting beliefs. And, you know, uncolonized Latinas, that title, I think, is tied to a core element of these limiting beliefs, right? Can we talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I chose that title because through my interviews, I interviewed 55 Latinas. I read 80 research reports. I worked with four Latino PhDs to conduct my research. So it was an extensive research. And something that came up is by understanding what holds us back, there is this mindset that we call, I call that in the book, the colonial mindset. So it comes from when our countries in Latin America were colonized, right? And the impact that had on not only the Native Americans living on the land, but also the future generations born in that land. Because if you look at me, I look European, right? But I was born in Argentina and I was born in a culture, right? That was impacted by colonization. So I saw that colonial mindset in myself. I felt inferior when I came to the US. Uh, This is all in my book. You know, when I was at Dartmouth as an MBA student, which is an amazing institution, great educational opportunity, uh, surrounded by, you know, students from all over the world, I felt out of place. I felt that I couldn't do it. I was afraid. I'm like, am I going to graduate? Am I going to finish this program? I'm not sure I can do this. So we limit ourselves, right? And that's all in our mind. (laughs) So it's all about, and I put that in the subtitle of my book, transforming our mindsets and rising together. It starts by taking a look without fear at those limiting narratives that we have inherited from our cultures, which right now do not match with the opportunities that are opening up for us Latinas here in the U.S. You know, you've got a lot of data to support the story, right? And this, the, the pay gap, the leadership gap, all of these things, you know, it, so they're there, they're real. And all these limiting beliefs that you're talking about, you know, if, if I'm a Latina, you know, where do I start? If I'm feeling sort of, sort of you know, trapped, I can't get out. I, I, this is my life. You know, what, what would you tell that person to do? So the first step is to understand that it is okay not to be okay. Something that I have found in my research is that we all, all of us, all of us Latinas who go through this, we all believe that we are the only ones. Remember that I said, John, in the beginning that we are a culture of silence. We don't talk to each other. I mean, we don't speak up, <laughs> but also we don't talk to each other about our experiences. So we believe that what we are enduring is only happening to us individually. The reality is, is cultural. So a good way to start is to really understand that what you're going through, it's okay. You're not alone, right? That's, that's the, first, the first step. A second step would be to take the time to become more aware of the particular narratives that are running you so that you can make a change on the spot. It's like you stop it, you change the CD, <laughs> 
and you create a new narrative for yourself. So that, that's the first step. And definitely another important step that is also laid out in the book in detail as a roadmap is to take action because I can transform my mindset. I can really run a new narrative that I can, that life of a life of success, whatever that means for me, is possible. But unless I take action in my life, nothing will change, right? So that's extremely important to take, to start first inside, but also to take assertive action in ways that will move the needle in your life. Take understand you're not alone. Others are going through this challenge and together great power can come from that as opposed to hiding it and taking the silent approach as you described. What a great message for, for folks out there. You know, when you think about Latinas and this underrepresentation and leadership in the U.S., you know, why do you think that's going on? What's the what's the issue there? Is there something that's missing on the corporate side or is it exclusively on the Latino side? I think it's both. <laughs> when I started to write my book, I wanted the book to be for Latinas. During the pre-sale campaign, I was extremely surprised to learn that 70% of my sales went to allies. So allies showed huge interest in the book. And I asked, why? Why are you buying a book that is written for Latinas? And the answer was, because I want to help. I want to understand the culture from within. I want to understand what holds Latinas back so that I can be a better manager so that I can help them succeed because it's in the best interest of all. It's for the highest good. So that was a big aha moment that I had, right? It's like, it's not about just Latinas taking action. We all need to work together on this. The, the, the support of the allies is extremely important, particularly because as the Latino population becomes 30% of the US by 2060, it's a huge number. And you want that 30% to be educated, to be empowered, to be at their best self, because that will benefit the 70%, right? It's for the highest good of all. And I'm extremely happy and hopeful, right? When I saw that such a big percentage of the sales are going to, to allies, that gives us hope that there is this awareness in the society that we need to work together in a different way. And we have the great opportunity to understand that each culture has a different need. Latinas have been served, I would say, within the women group. If you go to, if you talk to organizations and corporations in the past, trainings were directed to women as a whole. Now they are understanding that white women, black women, and Latinas have different needs, right? And they need different tools. So that's something that is very new in the market that I have seen as a trend, I would say in the last year, essentially. So not just putting women in one category, but separating them, if you will, into their own specific categories and their specific needs. Any thoughts on how to differentiate the needs of those audiences or Latinas specifically? What are the, what are the needs of the Latina community? Yes. Yeah, so something that I wanted to point out is that this is not about creating division or labeling people, right? This is not about putting them into categories, but it's about going deeper and understanding that the needs of a Latina immigrant or a Latina who is a daughter of immigrants are different from a white woman that is born in the U.S., right? And one of the major differences that I have found, and this comes from my 20 years in corporate, the immersion in the Latino community, and also my immersion in the non-Latino community. I've been working in corporations 
in, you know, I was usually the only Latina in the room. So I've been immersed in both cultures, right? And one of the main differences is, you know, what I mentioned before about those personal and cultural limiting beliefs, very inherent, the colonial mindset, right? Feeling an imposter, feeling that you are not good enough or doubting yourself. That's what it is, is you get new opportunities for leadership, you're promoted, you access these new spaces and deep inside, Latinas feel, I'm not sure I'm up to this role. So that self-doubt, you know, is a huge detriment for, for success for the person and for the organization. And it's very inherent in first-generation Latinas who access academia and who access professional spaces. Now, I wanted to share with you a statistic that is very eye-opening. 30% of the Latino population is younger than 18 years old. So it's a very young community. And 45% of Latinos stepping into college are first generation in their families to step into college compared to 20% of whites. So that tells you that, you know, as these kids step into these new spaces where, you know, they, they had no one at home. And I had that experience myself, right? No one in my family had gone to college before I went. So you feel lonely. It's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? There is a lot of self-doubt. You do not have anybody around you to ask, you know, can you, can you help me? Am I doing the right thing? Can you give me guidance? That, that's real. So um, these unconscious beliefs get triggered when you access these new spaces. And that's one thing that is very particular about the Latino population, very different from other groups. That if they enter a new space outside of their culture, outside of their family, their norms, not having a role model, it's even even more of a challenge yeah. to navigate, not having that roadmap maybe they've seen somewhere with other family members. So for you, yes. Valeria, you know, 20 years sitting in rooms with being the only Latina, as you said, you know, how, how did you overcome those limiting beliefs or did you ah, have them? What a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a big life lesson. Thank you for asking that question because. I overcame my sense of being uncomfortable, working harder and not asking for what I needed. So essentially in 2016, I burnt out, right? Because I was overcompensating by putting more adrenaline into it, more personal effort. And it was never enough, right? When you deep inside feel that you need external validation constantly, that is a very fast track to exhaustion. <laughs> and that's what I did. I worked harder. I studied more. I put more hours, a lot of pressure, personal pressure, which was unnecessary. I did really well, but I was not enjoying my success. It was all about adrenaline and what's next. In 2016, I burnt out. And that's how I had to learn to do it completely different. That was my wake up call. That was, I need to look inside and see what is driving me. I'm being unconscious. Something is going on that I, I'm not seeing. So that's when I started to do a lot of in-depth work with myself. And I learned to drive my life, not from adrenaline, but from enthusiasm to really connect with my purpose and to do, you know, my energy comes from my passion about doing things, not from the adrenaline of pushing harder in a way. 
But 2016 was the year where my life started. (laughs) Essentially, life stopped me and I couldn't continue going that way. It was not good for anybody. And that's when I had to pivot into a new way of doing things and learn to do things differently, starting with transforming my own mindset. So 2016 hit this this wall, if you will, realized you had to make a change. For, for those that might be struggling with this, what were, you know, were there some signs that really made you realize? Because I'm sure you've been running at a high velocity for many years at this point. What was the tipping point for you? And how did you recognize it? And, you know, what, what were the immediate steps to kind of break the habits to, to move past it? Emotionally, I was not feeling well, but I ignored. I ignored all the, all the signs. I was uncomfortable, but I kept pushing. So when it starts with the emotions first and you do not pay attention, it starts going into your physical body. And I started to have headaches. You know, my shoulders were in pain all the time. I disregarded it as well. <laughs> I ended up with arrhythmia. So at some point where your emotional life is out of balance, your body will tell you. But when your body is already showing those signals, is you have to take immediate action. That's a red light right there. Because if you don't pay attention when it becomes pain, you know, chronic pain, migraines, uh, arrhythmia, that's the time to stop. If you don't pay attention, you're going fast into, you know, the wrong way. So I have to say that I got myself out of there through many tools. As I said before, one was about connecting with my inner essence in a way, my inner wisdom to just stop and take the time to, to, to get to know myself. <laughs> I had been working so hard that I did not even appreciate who I was. So it took, you know, it took that, I would say, self-love to appreciate my journey, to appreciate my value and to start liking who I was. That was a big one. The second one was therapy. I did therapy. There is a huge stigma in the Latino community when it comes to therapy, because growing up, we all heard that therapy is for crazy people. That's what I work culture. <laughs> That's what I work culture. Is Argentina famous for therapists? Yeah. You know, everyone in Latin America, I have to say that there is this stigma. I mean, therapy, more, more, stu- more college students are going into psychologists, right? Psychology. But there is still a stigma because we were raised hearing that therapies for people who are really unbalanced. So there is a huge stigma. And that's why the mental health crisis that we're seeing with COVID is impacting the Latino community significantly. There is a lack of access, but also there is a cultural stigma. So I would say that you were asking me about what steps do you take, right? So, and I mentioned, take the time to know who you are, to, to understand the value that you bring to start to like yourself more, but also do not be afraid to ask for help. Do not be afraid to reach out. It may not be a therapist. It may be your tribe, but you need to talk about what's happening to you. In the beginning, I said, it is okay not to be okay. And we need to talk about, bring it out of your system. That as a first step is, is critical. Then there is, of course, everything that comes to sleeping well, nutrition, taking care of your mental health, emotional health, physical body, micro steps, incorporate micro steps, little changes that can take you in the right direction, pivot in the right direction. Making little shifts, recognizing that what your passions are, 
understanding yourself. I, I appreciate this concept of self-love. You know, sometimes people feel guilty thinking about that, right? And because, yes. oh, if I'm thinking about myself, I'm not thinking about others all the time. And that can be a hurdle for folks. Was that an issue for you? And, and you know, so how did you overcome that? Yes, as a mother, right? And a wife and a daughter, I put everybody else before myself. And that's also cultural in the, in the Latino community, particularly for women, because many of us were raised looking into our mothers and grandmothers, mostly attending the family. Our mothers and grandmothers did not, not have these professional opportunities that are opening up for us. So when we as first generation step into these professional opportunities, we also want to keep the role that we inherited from our culture, right? What we are supposed to do as women. So we try to check all the boxes. And I personally have to say in my own experience, I wanted to be the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect mother, and also a great professional with my own career full-time. And there is no physical way, you know, it's not possible to do it all perfectly, particularly because I was not delegating anything. I wanted to do it all by myself, right? And that was a, a huge illusion that I had to overcome, the illusion of I need to do it all and I need to check on all the boxes. So there was guilt associated with letting go. You know, there was guilt with taking care of myself first. And I had to teach myself that it is okay to take care of myself first so that I can take care of others and do it with no guilt. And it has been a process. I have to say that since 2016, I've been very intentional about it and that's still going on. And that's something that I also have in my book. I have the story of Ariana Huffington and how she had also a wake up call because she was not taking care of herself. She was putting everything else first, right? And I have a few other stories from other Latinas who have done the same. It's a very cultural thing that you know we believe we we think that we need to live our life for others and then i ask myself where am i in my life i'm living my life but where am i in my life i was not finding myself in my life that's when i had you know to to start doing things completely different and realize that it is okay to feel guilty and that i have the opportunity to release the guilt is experiencing it and also knowing that it is okay to release the guilt. I cannot, I don't need to feel guilt. I, I feel like the whole thread of your book just came in this, this last thought, these last thoughts you just shared, which is, you know, you, the colonized Latina is always sort of feeling like have to be subservient to others, focusing on helping others all the time, parents, family, business, all of those around us, we have to serve first. And you went through this own journey, it sounds like on your own of, of self-discovery of self-learning. Unfortunately, you had to hit a wall to get there. And I'm sorry you had to live through that, but it seems like you're uh, much stronger and, and better on the other side of it. So, you know, certainly some positives from it for you, but what an incredible journey you've gone on of, of discovery and finding your own way forward. And I really appreciate this concept of taking small steps. Many times we think we're trapped. I have to get from here to this, you know, the other side of this big bridge. And it's simply impossible to, you know, make those 50 steps, right? But sometimes that first step is the hardest one to take, but it doesn't have to be huge. And I, I really appreciate that message of incremental change. You know, when you think about this, this journey for you, Valeria, how do you think this book and this going through this process has, has changed you? Oh, significantly. I have to say that I thought my book was going to be about this, 
and it became about this. <laughs> when I started to, to connect with other Latinas, in half of the interviews, we both cried because creating the space, the safe space to connect with another Latina from the heart and to truly listen, right? That changed me entirely. I, you know, I learned so much about my own community. I learned that because I, I knew I had seen already how these patterns, uh, these unconscious patterns and cultural beliefs were coming up. I, I, have, I had seen that for, for a while. That was a commonality. But what I didn't know, for instance, was the existence of colorism. And I have to say that's because I'm white. But by listening to the stories of Afro-Latinas, and Afro-Latinos make up 25% of the Latino community. It's a huge number. When I heard, when I listened to the stories of Afro-Latinas, that came front and center, how colorism has impacted and has, in a way, slowed down the progress of our community. It has created division within the community. So that has been a big aha moment for me and also a calling to, as a white Latina, how can I make a change or make a difference, right? And a big learning was, I do not need to empower anybody, right? My role is not to empower people, Afro-Latinas and anybody else bring inside their own power. They are already powerful. My role as a white Latina, when it comes to Afro-Latinas, for instance, is when I come into spaces where I'm the only Latina and there are no Afro-Latinos in, Afro in the room that I advocate, right, for another chair to open up. And I just open the door. They come in and they do their magic. They have power. They just need the door to, to open. And I took that as a, a big learning from the book is my personal responsibility towards my own community, right? So from my, in my day-to-day -day job, in those organizations where, where I participate, how can I bring more Latinos in the room, particularly Afro-Latinos? Even in conferences, when I go to conferences as a speaker, I ask, do you have Afro-Latinos that are represented? They, they must be represented. If they are not being represented, I gracefully <laughs> ask for that to happen. We all must advocate for each other. And, and that was a big learning from my book and my personal growth experience out of it. I mean, it sounds like you've been going through some extraordinary personal growth for a number of years now, and the book really put it into high gear. I really appreciate the fact that so many people think about writing a book as this exercise of putting all this information out to the world. And in fact, I would argue, and I think the story you just shared would argue that it's a journey of learning as well, right? You start out in one direction and as you learn and research and have dozens of sessions with other interviewees crying and learning about their journey and going through that vulnerable, painful place, it really helped change you and learn even more. And, and I'm sure enriched your book and your narrative even more so. But I think a key theme in there you shared, which I, I really appreciate is one of the most powerful things any of us can do in the world is find a way to create an opportunity for others. And yeah. I think if we all think a bit more about that each day as we wake up, uh, that's what really makes the world, I think, a powerful place. And I think I very much hear that in your message and I, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. When you think about your book and this whole journey for you, has there, have there been any unexpected positive experiences you found through this journey? Many. I would say connecting with Latinas all over the U.S. and beyond. When I started the journey of interviewing Latinas, these Latinas connected me with other Latinas. So essentially, I ended up expanding my own tribe <laughs> in a way 
uh, that has been a blessing. Also, I have to say that, you know, and that's probably why we cried during the interviews is even with people that I have known for 10 years or more, I did not know their stories. I knew, I thought I knew them, but when we started to talk about their, their childhood and what they went through, and some of these stories are, you know, traumatic in a way as an immigrant or as a child of immigrant. And these are stories I had no idea about. So I had these Latinas next to me as friends, and I had no idea about their journey, the reality, the real part, the one that they do not talk publicly about. So that touched me deeply. And that gave me a new consciousness that we all carry stories that we have not shared. And the value of when we open up and we share our stories, first of all, we can connect with each other at a deeper level. And that really opens your heart. Going back to what we said before about helping others, it becomes natural. It's not a, it's not a task. It's not a check, you know, checklist, a checkbox. It becomes like a passion because you're connecting with, a, with a, another human being at a de- very deep, deep level. And that's something that I can envision when it comes to systemic bias. And, and I was looking into why do we have systemic bias and why do we have division, essentially? And I really believe that we have racism systemic bias, lack of equality, because we have not yet connected with the essence of the other human being. Because when you really connect with the essence at that deep level, it becomes your passion and your mission to help that person, right? You become like, you start advocating for others. You realize your privilege and you use your privilege in a positive way to help others. So that has been, you know, the major transformation that I a new consciousness, I have to say, that I acquired through the process of writing a book. It's been a lot of work, <laughs> crazy work, but worth every second of it, every second. A new level of understanding of yourself, a new level of understanding of others. And I think it all started with being a bit curious, being a bit vulnerable, and being a bit empathetic to take the time to understand others. And as you said, I think many of us could say this, we don't necessarily know the story and the struggles that even our some of our closest uh, friends and colleagues have gone through. But taking the time to understand that story, I think, is uh, incredibly important yes. because once you understand that story, you know, you can have a deeper understanding of what they've been through and how maybe you could help each other navigate that circumstance. What a great positive takeaway from your journey here. When you think about the book overall, Valerie, Uncolonized Latinas, you know, what do you think is a key message you'd like readers to take away? The key message is that the transformation of our society starts with the individual. We all need to do our inner work, right? Both overcoming our limiting beliefs and also understanding what privilege we have and how we can use it. It starts with the inner work of the individual, but it has a collective effect. And we all need each other. If we're going to do things differently, if we're going to live as a society in a completely new level of equality, access, right? We all need to work together. That's the key message. It will take that Latinas step out of the shell of fear and ask for help. Um, And the book offers a roadmap about that, how to build your personal brand, how to build your network, 
how to access sponsors and mentors. And Latinas need to do that, right? We need to start asking for what we need, but also from the allies, right? Is understanding how can I support Latinas from my space of privilege? It will take that we all work together as a new collective. So that's the key message is the work starts in the individual. It starts internally. It translates into action and the impact will be in the collective. Look inside first, discover what your passion and purpose are, and don't be afraid to use your voice and, and be a bit vulnerable and ask for help. I know it's so hard to do many times, but that first step, when I think about my own career journey, I mean, the three incredibly powerful inflection points for me were all going to other people and asking for help and saying, hey, I'm kind of stuck here. I don't know what to do next. Yeah. yeah. And people were kind enough to give me some feedback and advice on that. And it just transformed my circumstance, but it took me going to them and saying, hey, I need help. I, I don't know what to do here. And what a great message to put out there, Valeria. And people and, love to help. People love to help. But they aren't going to come to you to offer it unless you ask, right? You have to make exactly. the first step many times. So yes. uncolonized Latinas working together, understanding yourself, you know, what are the what are the bigger goals for, for the book? What's next for, for you and uncolonized Latinas? So I've been thinking a lot about what's next for the book because the book opened a door for me, right? And it, I have to say that the book invited me to continue working on my own limiting beliefs, right? In my growth journey. And part of that is to realize that I cannot do this alone, right? There is a huge opportunity, definitely, in the Hispanic market. And the book, in a way, is becoming a platform in which we all rise. So the opportunity that is showing up with this book is to go to organizations where I will bring other Latinos with me, right? That we all rise, that we all have new opportunities and to go into those organizations and offer leadership training for Latinas, coaching for Latinas, consulting for companies, right? That we can also go beyond the professional space that we can go into schools, that's where the next generations are. And that we can have these conversations with, with younger Latinos, right? Uh, that we can lay out the cultural limiting beliefs that we have, that we become more aware of what's holding us back. But this is a new collective in a way. We all rise together. That's where I see the book coming is in a way creating consciousness and also starting the movement in which Latinas will have the opportunity to essentially access more opportunities for themselves, their personal growth and their professional growth. I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said every generation needs a revolution or a movement. And it sounds like you found the one for Latinas of 2021 here, Valeria. What a great story of understanding, of growth of rising together. And it sounds like there are many, many days and years ahead for this journey, but uh, certainly some very positive things on the other end of it. As you said, growing your network and learning for new people. I, I saw a great quote on your book from Elba Escobar, actress, TV host, singer, and writer that I thought was pretty fascinating to share about your book. She said, the purpose of this book is invaluable. The mere possibility of understanding at a glance, the misunderstood loyalty to our limiting social, cultural, and family beliefs and how they are developed and how they have developed a trend that has not allowed us to reach our full potential as Latina woman is absolutely revealing. 
and a huge service that we will cherish forever. I mean, what a great quote from Elba. How, how did that make you feel to, to get that quote from her? Elba is a person that I admire deeply. I've known her for a few years now. And getting that quote from her is a blessing and also an inspiration. It, it keeps me going. It's in a way that embraced from another Latina sister that says, we're on this together. I see you. I hear you. We got this. That's what I get you know, from that quote. What a beautiful quote for her to share with you and really capture the essence of your story and continuing the theme of rising together and, and helping you push this movement forward. So excited for you, Valeria, and the book. Congratulations. If people want to learn more about you and the book, where might they go? To uncolonizedlatinas.com or to my Instagram account, valeriaalo underscore author. Unbelievable story, a journey of learning, a journey of helping others, a journey of being curious, discovering ourselves even more and, and feeling that power to go out and do the things that we're capable of, but breaking through that vulnerability or that that challenge of, of that might be holding us back, that limiting belief. What a, what a great and positive message to share. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, John, so much for this opportunity and also for, for your amazing support in this journey. I really value that. Thank you so much. You're, you're too kind. Uncolonized Latinas, Transforming Our Mindsets and Rising Together will be available this December 2021, wherever you find books online. I'm your host, John Saunders of the Creator Community. Keep moving forward.